I don't want to talk about next season at this point, but the way the season ends, it really does impact where you're slotted for the next season. And I know that people say that doesn't matter, but it absolutely does. Um, I saw it somewhere, I think, on All Vandals, or maybe somebody tweeted it at me. Quick question for you guys. Any shot, Idaho actually could be a last four. I mean, I know it's crazy when you hear it originally. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Bull, to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me today, I have Brian. Hey, Chris, good to be here. And TJ. What's up, Vandals? This episode is brought to you, as always, by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born right here in majestic Big Sky Country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. 8% of their profits are donated to local organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeah, That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, a light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today. To find out how to get, yes, some snacks. Okay, so interesting podcast for you guys. Um, let's just say it, it's a really good thing that we're um, on. We, you know, we're coming off a of bye week, and we're not having to play today because if we were the team right now, we would be coming out so unprepared. I don't think we've had this unprepared of a podcast ever. And they always say you're. Every podcast you do is somebody's first podcast. If this is your first podcast listening to us, hang with it. Hopefully you still enjoy it. I promise it's usually a lot better. But uh, we're, we're short Alex Boatman. We had to do a reschedule due to um, some sporting events that TJ and I wanted to watch last night, the World Series, the MLS Western Conference Finals. Then work. We started late here. We had an interview with Ed Hall. You won't actually be getting that at this episode. Alex Boatman tried to do it, but a whole bunch of stuff. But welcome to this week's episode as we preview Cal Poly. That's how bad it is. I almost forgot who we were playing. Yeah. Um, and we also want to kind of cover a little bit of reading the Argonauts. So as most of you know, you probably saw our poll that we posted out. Uh, Brian and I have been in discussions trying to figure out what we're going to do for basketball season this year. Uh, last year, you know, the podcast, I don't know if it's just the way that the football season went or just the way that the basketball season went, or a good mix of both. But the basketball podcast numbers weren't quite what we expected them to be, um, even though it w- maybe it's something that you guys want to hear something more. But we played around the idea of um, possibly doing something more big sky encompassing, where Brian already writes for the Montana Mint, kind of what he does for the Big Sky Podcast Power Rankings. And maybe have him cover a little bit more and have it maybe be more of a panel, not a panelist show, but have us have some ideas where we're bouncing off. And we just want to know what you guys think. Uh, and to kind of give you an example, um, Brian came up with an idea. Uh, since we only are previewing this episode, we have some time. So we're going to spend about five minutes um, covering basketball with the three of us to kind of give you an idea of what just an Idaho-specific podcast for basketball might sound like this year. So that way you'll still have time to go back to that poll and maybe vote um, however you'd like. But, Brian, kind of give the people a little update, and then let's kind of talk Vandal basketball. So I'll do my best to give the people what they want. Um, and the news I have for you, 
Uh, you know, last week on the podcast, I broke live that we lost an exhibition game to Division II Central Washington at home, 88-81. Uh, this week, I can't break the news live because we're recording a day after, but Idaho played their second exhibition game, this time against NAIA LCSC, a team we lost to last year. And we got killed by LCSC at home. Um, we lost 88-73. There are almost no bright spots to go over. Now, last year, one of the things that we had going for us is that we had a young team. So one of the things we're looking at is how can we read potential into the guys in front of us and maybe round out the performances a little bit. If you look at this year's roster, we're actually upperclassmen heavy. Uh, we return only about five, around five guys from last year's team. Most of those guys are juniors and seniors, guys like Trayvon Allen, Markel Frazier, but if you look at the rest of our roster, it's a ton of junior college transfers. So seriously, this team, which lost 88-73 to Lewis and Clark, is upperclassmen heavy. So we don't have the same growth to, to read into this team. And we just look bad. Um, we're, we're shooting around 20% from three-point line in two games against sub-D1 teams. You know, I, I, I could spend a while going through uh, player by player, I guess. Uh, but part of what, and I want to open this up with uh, Chris and TJ too, part of what why we're trying to figure out exactly how to do this is we don't have the potential to read into our team this year that we did last year. Zach Kloss, it looks like there's a good chance he'll be around for maybe just this season with how awful it started out. Not that it's his fault because this is not his team he recruited. One of the stories that I've read people talking about is that this Vandal team was kind of put together after Verlin was fired, and that's just not true. If you go through player by player when they signed of the guys who played against LCSC, only one player who played meaningful minutes, Quentin Forrest, was recruited, let's say, strictly by Zach Kloss. Otherwise, all those guys are Verlin signees. Um, so I guess I can open up to you guys. Um, I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are after seeing that we lost, that we now have a two-game losing streak to Lewis and Clark State College. Uh, thoughts, TJ or Chris? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that we talk about it being a, a senior-heavy-led team because last year there was no seniors on the team. Um, so I guess any improvement from that because everyone transferred out. Um, I, I guess I got kind of excited seeing those transfers coming in, you know, those JUCO transfers to Idaho. Hey, we got some you know fresh talent to come in. Um, but it doesn't seem like they're really playmakers. Maybe they were just unhappy in their previous school. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I completely agree that it's not Klaus's fault at all. Um, he, you know, got put into that role just because he was the next guy in line um, for the Idaho coaching team. So I, I completely agree. It's not to blame on him. And he's a good coach. I think he was one of the main play callers, I believe, when Verlin was the coach as well. Um but, yeah, it, it's just – that is really, really frustrating to see. That's – to lose to a school that's 45 minutes down south that we know is, you know, the third littlest brother to us in the area like that, it's, it's really frustrating and, and it's kind of shocking as well. So, um, yeah, that's not a good start at all for what we're going to look like this year. It's going to be a long year. Yeah, you know, and I kind of agree. I, I think – Klaus is kind of a, a, a plug-and-go. You had to have a coach. Um, I don't think anyone really believes he was the guy. Now, that being said, if he puts together an amazing season, he could be, but obviously we're off to the kind of start. You, you don't think that's going to happen. Um, we're starting up here in just, gosh, a couple, what, 
next week as of the time we're recording this on Tuesday at home against Evergreen State, which I believe is out of here, right? The Gooey Ducks down in yeah. Olympia. It's a so, pass-fail school. Yeah, so that that should be a win. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, you get into UC Irvine and UC Davis. Uh, God, we play North Dakota State. At, you know, who they've made the tournament a couple times. Got a couple fun games against uh, some Washington schools here um, in Seattle. For those of you who don't know, that we're in Seattle by now. Um, at Seattle U, and then the next Wednesday, you know, against Washington State. Uh, and, you know, it, it's a fun schedule, I think. We did a really good job of scheduling teams that I'd actually care about going to other than maybe Arkansas State and VMI. Um, and like I said, VMI is a winnable game. Walla Walla is a winnable game. Evergreen State is a winnable game, except for the way we've started out this year. Uh, and, you know, maybe they're playing around with the they, – they don't know because this team's so new who's going to play in what role. Um, but, yeah, it's not a good start. And I think it just goes to the fact that uh, – Terry Gallick is going to get to make a hire. Um, Scott Green is going to get away in on a decision because they both are big believers in when you're, we're needing a front porch. Um, and this is basketball can easily be it. You look what it does for schools like Duke and Gonzaga and um, uh, Wichita State. Especially like, with the gym going in too. Yeah, exactly. Like For this, this is more getting a set up so when the ICCU arena opens – we are ready to be rolling and be like a Montana who is consistently in Weber State, who are consistently in the top three or four of the Big Sky and really pushing to win that bid every single year because the Big Sky is probably never going to be a two-bid league. Um, so it's going to come down to the championship and making sure we just have, you know, we can play our conference schedules and then fill out fun games um, like we are like we are doing right now. With I, I, I love this schedule. I wish we had a team that would make it fun. Uh, we're playing a lot of regional teams, both North Dakota, South Dakota. We're, I, I don't know. I, I feel bad, but, uh, yeah, I don't have much hope going into the season now at all. Um, luckily, we'll, John Newley and the guy, our girls probably are going to look great. So we have Complete, we got that still going for us. Completely new team on that side, too. True, <laughs> but uh, I, I think a new, side, a, a new team on that side is going to have a lot better luck than a new team on the men's side. Brian, uh you know, we, we've kind of covered over our little bit of five-minute buffer, but um, what'd you kind of, what do you think from what we said? And then let's roll into this Cal Poly preview because uh, that's also something pretty fun, and we're pretty excited to bring it to you guys. The closing thought on basketball is, Chris, I like the point you made about the schedule in that there's, if this were a solid team, uh, this would be a schedule fans should be happy about and that it's, um, it's, it's friendly towards us building a solid D1 record. Um, I guess part of what's difficult for me and I think was probably difficult for other fans is this year following football, which I mean, we're still excited for the Cal Poly game. They're still just fun in the event of football. But, you know, following Idaho, not making the playoffs in football, basketball for a while had kind of been our reprieve for a few years where we were solid, maybe, you know, playing for a top four seed in the conference. And this year, it just kind of feels like we punted on basketball before it's even started, um, which I think that's tough. But it's also a great segue to begin talking about something nice. other than basketball. It is. And that would be, according to the Versus Sports Simulator, the number 50 ranked Cal Poly Mustangs from San Luis Obispo playing uh, Idaho, who's ranked 20 in that ranking. Um but uh, we're going to kind of cover what's on everybody's mind. They're a triple option team for you guys that don't know. So it's a lot of – they're going to be led by Jalen Hamler, their young quarterback. 
They've also got Zoe Trans Sampson running. A, does he run as one of their wing backers or as the fullback? Do you know, Brian? Fullback. Fullback. So the most, second most important position in a, in a triple option team. Um, so, I mean, incredibly tricky team to play. Luckily, University of Idaho, we've had we've had luck in the past with – well, not luck. We've had experience in the past beating Georgia Southern a couple of times or at least facing them also a couple of times in the Sun Belt as well as beating Wofford in 2015, 2014, one of those years. Uh, obviously, as most people have probably heard, Wofford's a usual FCS top uh, 20 school. So um, big for us beating a team like Wofford um, at the FCS level. Obviously, that whole team's pretty much turned over, but we have practice with Georgia Southern out of the Sun Belt. So, I mean, it's, it's not like – we haven't seen the triple option before uh, with a Paul Petrino coach team. And obviously our coordinators have been basically the same the whole time he's been here. So I do like our odds in this one. Uh, anyone else have any kind of quick comments on Cal Poly before we're, we're really going to talk about the quarterback situation for you guys today. I'm not uh, quite what you're probably thinking, but uh, we'll, we'll cover the Cal Poly Mustangs a little bit. Maybe what to expect out of them before we get into that. Yeah. So defensively Cal Poly is, Awful. They on offense, Cal Poly is number three in the conference in time of possession. They possess the ball on average 35 minutes a game, well, just under 35 minutes a game. And even with that advantage, they have the number nine scoring defense, allowing 34 points a game. Keep in mind that's 34 points when the other team only has the ball for about 25 minutes. They're Rushing defense is a little more is the the stronger part of their defense. They're number four in the league. Um, they're what I've done in the power ranking write ups that I've done. The, one of the flooring things about Cal Poly is they just they give up a decent amount of points, even though they dominate time of possession. That stylistically, they kind of want to play a game similar to how Idaho's wanted to play, but I think we are significantly stronger, at least. Um, in terms of of individual skill players on the defensive end than I think Cal Poly is. This is a must-win home game to me uh, for Idaho. If we're going to be flirting with 500, we we absolutely have to, to win this game. Yeah, and I think it's huge that, that's, that it's in the dome, first of all. Um, coming off a of bye week is another big plus, and just how our defense has been playing is, is huge as well. Um, you know they're preparing for this for two weeks now, so that's a huge help. Um, I, I think Petrino and all the coaching staff, Coach Schultz, has just got everyone ready to know you, know your assignment and, and know your guy who you're going to go out against against a triple option. So I think they'll be ready for it. Um, I hope we have some good attendance too. That would help a lot. Um, we've been playing so well at home, so that's a big that's a big difference. Yeah, and you know, it, for all those people that are in attendance, guys, we we got to ask a couple questions. There's two different parts here. Who's going to start at quarterback and who should start at quarterback? For those of you that haven't heard from every source we have, everything we've seen on Twitter, um, Colton Richardson has been shelved. He suffered a pretty, it sounds like maybe not a super serious ankle injury, but the fact that he has already played his four games that would allow him to get that red shirt back that we burned on him in 2017 when we burned the red shirt for the last game or game and a half. Uh, so he'll be able to redshirt. So he'll be redshirt junior next year, meaning we'll have two years of Colton. The way the season's going now, that obviously seems like the most strategic option is keep him available for the next two years. Let if Mason's available, ride out these last 
um, four games as quarterback senior year, and then next year we get to start freshly clean slate with Nate, uh, a couple guys we've been recruiting that we might be able to cover it here at some point, um, and then obviously Nikhil Nair, maybe even Freeze. We'll see if he takes a big step forward, but uh, um, Colton looks to be out, so we've got two questions on who's going to start and who should start, uh, and I think that really only leaves two guys, but TJ, uh, or sorry, Brian, let's have you start on who you think is going to be starting at quarterback. I think there's a real good chance uh, that it's going to be Mason. It's like you said, um, everything we've heard is that Colton, even though to the press, Paul Petrino recently said that Colton's going to be listed as number one on the depth chart. Everything we've heard from multiple sources is that it doesn't matter where Colton's listed on the depth chart. He's going to be physically unable to play. Uh, based off that, I would love to see Nikhil Nair out there because uh, he looked all right in the limited run he got against um, Idaho State. But I'm going to say I, I expect it's going to be Mason, man. Um, I, I think that's just where we're at for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm also going to be on the, the Mason train. I think uh, it, it just makes sense. Like I just kind of covered, Mason is out. I mean, or like, you know, uh, Colton's out. You might as well let Mason ride out these last four games because he's a senior. It, you know, the little father-son bond, bonding that can happen these over these last couple of weeks or whatever it is. But don't blow a red shirt on um, Colton. Don't pull the red shirt off Nate for these last four games. Uh, I guess you technically could because uh, he could still play in all four. And maybe that's what he does. Maybe he's throwing us all off. And that's why he didn't want to use Cisco at all in the fifth to last game of the year so he could use him for the last four. But I also don't think he's throwing a true freshman in if he was so tentative to give Nikhil more than five snaps last year until the very last game of the year. So um, I think it's it's Mason's game to start against Cal Poly. I don't think that's a bad thing per se. I think it will be a lot kind of like it was against uh, a Weber. I mean, not so much Eastern, but I, I think you could see more Eastern-like stats and see a game that will be more close and game-managed like a Weber State game was. Yeah, I mean, if it's going to be Mason, and with Mason, that'll be a really quick game if <laughs> Cal Poly controls the ball they, the way they do. Um, what I don't want to see, which I think would be tough, is if we do this, you know, switch off every couple series, maybe a series didn't go right, and we throw Nick Hill in there. I think that can be kind of detrimental to his confidence of maybe Nick Hill taking over someday after Colton. Um, so that, that, I think, would be the wrong answer would to be, you know, have Mason, if he's not working out, you know, try and switch off every other series. And if it's not Nick Hill, go back and forth. Um, I think that could hurt us in the end. So I think just sticking with Mason, especially this game, um, I know next week it'll be a different challenge facing Montana, but uh, this is a good matchup for him. And, yeah, it'll go by quick. <laughs> you know, also for Cal Poly against us. But Now, this isn't an argument in favor of any quarterback. Mm -hmm. Cal Poly has the worst turnover margin in the Big Sky and Big Sky play at minus five. Uh, this is not a team that is going to jump all over uh, sketchy quarterback play the way in Eastern Washington, sorry, the way uh, Weber State did in you know they they forced three fumbles, or it's not they're not going to be able to jump on us the way. Uh, Who'd we play after Weber State? Portland State, uh, where Portland State picked off Mason a couple times and Colton a couple times. Uh, this isn't a defense that should be able to do that. Um, I, I, if Mason is out there, though, I am kind of curious uh, how he looks. I know that it's he was referenced as being in the concussion protocol. I also know that um, 
not giving away any sources or anything, we had been told that um, concussion protocol was uh, a euphemistic term and that he was, Mason was, had been a little bit shaken by how poorly he'd done over the last few weeks. So I'm curious to see how he rebounds if he's starting. Yeah, which leads us down to who should start. Is it something where maybe we're best just having Mason at this point make that transition into coaching or and, and kind of throw Nikhil or maybe Nate or Freeze out to the Wolves? Um, TJ, what do you think? Who Who's going to be the... Who should start? I think it's going to go back to Mason. Uh, Not think. Who I should. Should. It should be Mason. Um, it, it, it goes back to the conversation we had at the start of the year. Who's the most confident? Uh, we need these wins right now at this point. So go with the guy who knows the offense the best. Um, Brian? I think we're at a really dangerous time in our schedule in that in college football, and especially where Idaho is with our fan base and needing to gain it back, we cannot afford to lose all four of our last games. We certainly can't afford to look like hell um, and and give our fan base a reason to turn out. Honestly, because of that, after what I saw against Idaho State, uh, with Nair looking like a real Division One athlete, being the better athlete, the best athlete we have at quarterback right now in terms of north-south running, um, and having a strong stronger arm. Um, and also, he he just looked like a pretty solid passer. I want, I would like to see Nair out there. I would like to see what he looks like, not having to look over his shoulder. I cannot stress how good it felt going to an Idaho game and having one less Petrino on the field. Um, I would love to have that feeling back. Now I don't know if that was just me and I was extrapolating that to other people, but that was a real sense I got from the people around me. It was a real sense I felt of that game. Um, so I, I really think when the father-son dynamic is done, that's going to be positive for Idaho, and the sooner that's done, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I'm actually – this one's tough. And maybe this totally depends on – I want you guys to know if I'm crazy. I, I've noticed we're probably not the only ones that have had weird podcast weeks. No Big Sky Big Takes this week. Haven't seen anything out of FCS Fans Nation either, but I, I posed this question to him. Um, I saw it somewhere, I think, on All Vandals, or maybe somebody tweeted it at me. Quick question for you guys. Any shot Idaho actually could be a last four in? I mean, I know it's crazy when you hear it originally, but they brought it up. So you have Cal Poly, so that should be a win. Like, we got to win that. doesn't matter. Um, then we're at Montana, who, depending on how this week goes at Portland State, um, they're ranked number eight, could possibly jump up to seven, six, five, something like that. Um, then you have number six, Sac State, back at home. So Montana's going to be hard. We haven't run a road game all year. So, I mean, like I said, you have to win these. I'm not saying we win these, but somebody brought it up that if you win these, there is this weird chance that you might have a playoff-looking resume. You'd have a win against Cal Poly, unranked. You'd have a win at ranked Montana, top ten ranked Montana, possibly number five Montana. And then you'd have... Sac State at their place at number six um, currently, but that's two weeks or three weeks away. They play Weber State this week, um, who's number three in the country. So if they beat Weber State, expect them to jump up to three or two in the rankings. So there's a possibility you're playing number three or number two, um, Sac State. So you need some pieces to fall away. Montana needs to win this week. Sac State needs to keep winning until you face them. And then you end the year at what would be considered a tough road game and a possible right now very outside fringe playoff team in NAU. Where it almost acts as in a play like a playing game, maybe like Montana, Montana State last year. Now I know it's crazy, and we probably won't do it, 
But if that happens, you're looking at a seven and five Idaho team um, that's six and three against FCS competition, with at the time three top fifteen wins. Um, I mean, if you put it that way, that's I, I still think we're out. But I mean, I think I heard that, and I was kind of like, oh damn, that is actually kind of a. And those are really good points. I think a big part of that is the strength of the Big Sky. I mean, we continue to get these top ten votes of of teams that have had these close games or losses. We're like, oh man, I guess the Big Sky really does carry a weight. And, I mean, two of the teams that we play in the next two weeks are ranked in those top ten uh, FCS votes. So yeah, Pending they still win. Right. I mean, if Montana loses to Portland State, which they lost to Portland State at home last week, last year, there's a chance they're probably like the Cats and falling to uh, – I don't know where they'd fall. They'd probably still be in the 15 when we play them because um, everyone in the voting seems to think Portland State's actually a pretty good team. So, I mean, you've got that. And then, yeah, your only losses to what's considered a pretty good team in Portland State. Um, I mean, I don't think they're going to make it. They're not probably not going to crack the top 25 at any point this year. Uh, and then, you know, a loss at home by six to top number three, Weber, at the time was what, number four or five. Um, then the only real bad loss on your schedule you're looking at, um, FCS-wise, is that Northern Colorado one by three. But you could, I, I don't know, somebody pointed out, and I'm like, uh, you know what? I don't like it, and I don't like playing the what-if game, but you almost feel like that Sac, Sac State becoming good and right now being undefeated in the FCS with the toughest FCS schedule in the nation, according to Sagarin and Massey. Uh, you know, you're looking at the number one team pretty much statistically in the FCS. I mean, NDSU is, but statistically, Sac State should be, and we'd have a chance to beat them. And they're at our place where we've played pretty well. I feel like if you can beat Montana, beat Sac State, and win out, there might be this weird shadow of a doubt of being in the playoffs that snuck up on us. I mean, Brian, I know you're the – I mean, what do you – had you noticed that or had you heard it or did you see this at all? Well, I mean, I've looked at Idaho's schedule, and here's a question that I'd ask for you when you're stipulating that. Like, where Idaho sits right now at 3-5, and five, do you think if a team lost to Idaho, that would be viewed today as a bad loss? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the reason I ask that is because Eastern Washington sits exactly where Idaho is right now. Um, so one of our big at three and five, which means one of our one of our wins that we thought was big early is not the win we thought it was, uh, which is that that just hurts our resume that Eastern's not very good. Um, and we followed that up with that that northern Colorado loss, man. I that that is is such a big deal for this year in terms of her, I think hurting enthusiasm, but also six FCS wins, man, I, I could maybe talk myself into saying like, maybe we're like, you know, first four out if we can win out, but that's a huge hole to hold to dig out of. We'd probably need other conferences to cannibalize each other yeah. in a pretty serious way. And North Dakota uh, to start losing because they're probably going to steal a spot from the Big Sky because they've played really well against them with a pretty much Big Sky schedule. Yeah, exactly. So but, we, I mean, let me put it this way: we we would need things outside of just winning um, our games and outside of just Montana and Sac State winning their games to take place. So, I mean, I wouldn't bet on this. Um, I'm still, I'm still not even clear on. I mean, it'd be great for us to win um, multiple games on the way out because I, I know that, you know, for net, I don't want to talk about next season at this point, 
But the way the season ends, it really does impact where you're slotted for the next season. And I know that people say that doesn't matter, but it absolutely does in terms of getting into the top 25 and receiving votes. So to me, it's a bigger deal to win these games, to establish the story that Idaho is, a, is now rebounding. Kind of like Montana State, they were not that much better than Montana last year, but partially because of how last year finished. Uh, Montana State started much higher in the polls than Montana, and even a couple not great losses from Montana State has still kept them up high. Idaho, to me, should be playing for how do we establish ourselves for next year to set us up better for playoffs next season. Yeah, I guess I just might have found the crux in this whole argument when I went to actually NAU schedule because when you were saying that, I was going, I still think, though, if you beat a top 10 Montana, you beat a top 10 on the road, top 10 Montana, and you beat a top five Sac State at home, and then you beat a possible like number 25 ranked, you know, somewhere between like 26 and 24 is probably where NAU would be if they went out um, yeah. at their place. I was like, that's three straight top 25 wins to go into it. And I was like, I feel like the playoff committee might be like, they've started to roll at the right time. But I'm looking at this right now. NAU as at Eastern Washington this weekend. That would help our case. That would move them up in the rankings. The only problem is then they play versus Sacramento State, which we can't afford Sac State to lose to anybody else but us. Maybe Weber, but probably nobody else but us. Then they have Southern Utah. That's going to be a blimp if they beat them in, in an up. That, you well, know, that's and anyone, gonna... anything can happen in a Grand Canyon trophy game. Yeah. <laughs> that, the, you mean the all-time classic rivalry? Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, I just don't think NAU has the schedule to beat. Because if, if they beat Eastern, that's great. But if they beat Sac State, it'll, they play them the week before us. It diminishes our Sac State win because Sac State would be probably back out of the top ten. And then, so yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen now that I've kind of looked at it more. But it is interesting how the schedule almost set up for that because, like you said, maybe if we only lost to Portland State like we did and we actually beat Northern Colorado, we we have a real shot at the playoffs here at the end of the year. It was just that Northern Colorado game, and we had it, and we blew it, and that makes that so much more annoying because you actually look at the schedule. That is a really our only bad loss. Portland State looks bad, but at that place, kind of a trap game. Um, you know, we had apparently Mason was really dinged up coming off Weber State. It's not good, but uh, man, that sucks. So to answer the original question of who should start, I was thinking if we're going to make a playoff run, I think it is time to put Mason in and at least roll with what's worked. And you know, someone that has the game, the snaps under his belt. Playoffs are off the table pretty much. It looks like without a miracle and absolute chaos. Can I throw so, one more thing in real quick? Yes. Portland State schedule, uh, we would, in theory, need them to be a, a not bad loss for us for this, you know, theoretical playoff profile to look better. Portland State, you know, they're playing Montana. So, like, which would you rather have? Portland State looks like a better loss because they beat Montana or Montana wins, and it's a better theoretical win for us if we could beat Montana, but the Portland State loss becomes worse. And Portland State closes out after that with UC Davis and Eastern. Yeah, um, I, I think the issue is, like you said, it's just yeah. when we're really relying on Montana and Sac State are there for us, the only problem is they're playing Portland State and NAU, who are two yep. of the teams we really needed that stuff. So, I mean, it would take some crazy math. You would need NAU to be close to the top 25. We'd have to win out, and I just don't think the way the schedules are lined up, that would work. I do think if our only losses are Portland State and Northern Colorado, and we went out and those teams all stayed exactly ranked where they're at right now, we could, but unfortunately they're going to beat each other up. 
Um, and, and it's not going to be that. But uh, with that in mind, I'm giving snaps to Nikhil 100%. Why not? Um, you, you know, he used his red shirt this year. If he's going to be part of the quarterback competition next year, Colton Richardson's had, what, 100-plus snaps under his belt. So uh, I'm going give the ball to Nikhil Nair, and let's get this done. I mean, get him in the snaps, and let's roll into the spring with an actual true competition with three guys on the roster. From everything we've also heard, they're looking to bring in a JUCO guy. So you're going to have three dudes on the roster, and Nate, Nikhil, and Colton have a legit shot at the quarterback competition next year with a JC coming in, and then another freshman that we're probably going to recruit. We'll have five real quarterbacks on the roster next year, well, four and a half, um, depending on who you ask. So we'll move forward. And like we said, no matter what, if we can do really well, if we can just beat Cal Poly and Montana will have a bunch more momentum going into this year or this next season with a loss to Sac State. Um, and I mean, I'd like to be at NAU, but uh, we'll see. Um, but I, I say start Nicole Nair at that point just because might as well get, get snaps under his belt. He only has like eight, and I know his stat line hasn't looked good, but if you watch both those games, a lot of it was drops. I think it's because he has no reputation with the ones. Um, but... Moving on, keys to win. What's it going to take to win this game, Brian? We're going to have to force some turnovers from Cal Poly, and they've shown they are they will turn the ball over. You know, they they had three lost fumbles at Southern Utah earlier in the year. If we can force some turnovers, we're going to give ourselves better field position. And Cal Poly does not have the kind of lockdown defense that a Weber State or a Montana State has. So if we can force some turnovers. Get beat, the keys to beating Cal Poly. It's like the keys to beating Idaho. You get those teams behind a score or two early. Suddenly, it's very difficult for them to turn it around. TJ, yeah. Um, obviously, defense is playing playing well. They got to step up again this week, and offensively, just continue to score. We can't have these shutout games where we can't get the ball in the end zone because we're playing bad. Um, obviously, that's a pretty obvious comment. Um, but, yeah, I think this bye week has helped us. We get a little rest, and, and halfway through the season, it's a good chance to, to re-up and, and have a big win this week. I do want to add one real th- one quick thing. Yep. Um, Jalen Hamler, quarterback for Cal Poly, though he most often rushes, he, he has thrown five touchdown passes, uh, which that might not sound like a gigantic amount, uh, but it actually is – Pretty close. It's he's thrown one fewer touchdown than Eric Berrier. I'm sorry, than Davis Alexander from Portland State. He's thrown one fewer touchdown than Jacob Nip from Northern Colorado. When he when Cal Poly does throw it once in a while, it's very often big plays. When they beat San Diego, they had like three touchdowns in excess of 50 yards. Those are mostly their passes. Yeah, and I, you know, for me. I think it's just going to come down to know your role on defense. I mean, luckily we have a really strong defense, and this is going to be their game to win or lose for us. Our offense will get their chances. Like we've mentioned, Cal Poly has a turnover, a bit of a turnover problem. They're not a super big threat to put a lot of points up on you because they really milk the time of possession game. It's all run. They average, like, what, five or six passes a game. So... It's just going to come down to capitalizing our opportunities, trying to win the field possession battle. Luckily, we have Kate Coffey. He's pinning them down inside the 10 a couple of times. 90 yards on the ground, that's a lot for your running backs and quarterback to bear when they're taking the hits. Um, 
I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but it just comes down to the defense not making mistakes and maybe not even trying to be the hero. Like, don't maybe try to go and pick off the pitch or, you know, take a hard line at the quarterback thinking, you, you know, you'll be able to cut off the, the second or third option on the, the triple option read. Just know your role, make your tackles, make them punt. Eventually our offense, with Mason starting, will get to where it needs to be and we will put the ball in the end zone. Or have K coffee kicks and field goals. That that's my key. I think. Um, I I think this is what's going to happen. Maybe. Um, score predictions. Brian. Oh, sorry. The versus sports simulator has this as a thirty-four to twenty-six Vandal W. Vegas has the U of I as a nine-point favorite in this game at home. Reminder: We're a different team at home, but we've also only really had home games against teams that Idaho would consider peers. Which is the other argument to Idaho? They only, they're but different team at home. One and number two, they only seem to get up for teams they consider peers. So this will be a good test of do we only get up at home or teams that are peers? Because if we lose this, it's peers. If we win this, we're just a different team at home. I think we play a little bit better uh, defensively than the versus simulator thinks, but I don't think our offense shows up that well um, coming off this bye week. I'm going to go 24-10. The Vandals win. Brian. So one, I'm much more of a believer that it's peers that we show up for. Um, I'm going to cite Montana State last year as part of the example there. Uh, but Cal Poly is not a team that can pass regularly. Um, and that's one of the ways we are hurt the worst. I think Cal Poly is a unique, uniquely bad matchup for them uh, to play us. I'm going to take Idaho 27-13. Uh, I feel like for some reason this is going to be um, like 13, 20. <laughs> I want to say like so much confidence. <laughs> I want to say like 13, not on the, I don't think they kick any field goals. I, I think Cal Poly like shanks an extra point. Um, but then Idaho wins with two touchdowns and two field goals. So, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take 2017. I don't think it's going to be pretty. You know what? Vegas is usually pretty good on this. Idaho wins by 10. I'll give it that. So let's call it 20, 20 to 10. I'll take a 20 to 10. Cover Vegas. They're usually surprisingly good at picking spreads. Um, Alex, the boat boatman, does have a score prediction for us. He has Idaho winning 24-14. So he's also taking a 10-point spread. Uh, I think a little bit more points will be scored in this one. All right. Moving on to corner stool takes, if anyone has one. Uh, I guess I'll have a corner stool take that's, like, happy. I, that buy came at the right time. The only thing is I apologize to you guys because we had all these plans <laughs> to do things, and they all kind of fell through because we all took advantage of, oh, well, we have all this time not having to, you know, recap a game. and then. Uh, but we'll know better for next year. This is our, our first podcast with, like, a real full team for the whole season. Last year started with just me. Then it became TJ. Then we had Martin on for a little bit, and then he was gone. And then Brian asked us a bunch of questions, and then I brought on Alex a bit in the spring. And so we're still learning our roles. Um, so we know that going forward on how to better handle bye weeks. But uh, I mean, I still think we got you guys good content. Just we had such big plans for the bye week and kind of dropped the ball, kind of like the men's basketball team. Nice, good segue. Hmm. Uh, TJ, what's your corner stool take? Um, I like. 
the cornerstone take of Freezy takes a snap this week. I like that. Didn't you do that last week? No. Oh, it was a bye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> man, that bye week. Yeah. Uh, I'll have a TJ Vandal hangover. There we go. <laughs> uh, Brian? My cornerstone take is even though we're not playing for a playoff spot, we are entering a real important stretch for Vandal football uh, for building for the next year. Um, the, the energy around Idaho this season has really shifted um, from, you know, opening the season being pretty energetic, the immediate loss at Penn State, then looking bad against Central Washington, it got as low as it could be. Then we upset Eastern Washington um, and it yanked back up. I don't know how much our fan base can tolerate um, if we face plant through these last four weeks. Um, on the other hand, if we can do well through these next four weeks, there, we have a ton of returning guys for next year, and it, the uh, enthusiasm we might have would be real. Um, so my, I, in short, my cornerstool take is these four weeks to me matter as much as any weeks in the entire season. I agree. All right, that brings us to no hashtag STHCs this week, so we are on the Big Sky Pick'em Challenge. All right, so last week's standing, you guys see, I forgot to send these guys the outline, so they don't even know how they did last week. Well, Brian always keeps track, but uh, Kyler Neal and Alex Boatman, 5-1. and one. Wow. Uh, Brian, right behind him at 4-2. and two. TJ, nice job, 500. Yeah. I will leave my 2-4 and four score unannounced. Uh, <laughs> that brings the total standings to Brian is 55-11 and 11 for an 83.3% win percentage. I am in second. With a 48 and 18 record, 72.7 correct percentage. Alex Boatman, 22 and 9. It took him only three weeks to almost have 10 losses, and it took Brian nine. <laughs> now, in Alex's defense, he did get the hard part. It was actually pretty dang easy to pick. Oh, yeah. I think what? You and I only had th- or two or three misses, and TJ had four or five. Like yeah, the guaranteed five, games and the play down games, it's pretty tough to miss those. Yeah, true. Um, he does have a 70.9% win percentage, which is higher for the battle for last place. TJ, 46 and 20, puts you at a 69.69. Nice. Let's talk about the money win league. <laughs> Let's talk about the money league. Keep going. Um, so if you round it up, you're at 70%. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll keep it there at you that. Go. Room, room to make up. Get yourself back in the 70s. Yeah. Week 10. Southern Utah versus Montana State. I'm picking first, actually, because I got last. Then we'll do TJ, then Brian, and then I'll just read Alex's. Um, So Southern Utah versus Montana State. I am going to take Montana State. I am going with the Bobcats as well. This is a must-win for Montana State. Uh, the energy around Montana State is pretty rough after uh, back-to-back losses to, to Sac State in North Dakota. I think that the thun- the Thunderbirds of South Dakota are coming to Bozeman at the exact right time. Go with Montana State. Uh, and then uh, Mr. Boatman is taking Montana State as well. Uh, that leaves Northern Arizona versus Eastern Washington next. Um, I'll take Eastern Washington. Dome team going to cold Washington. Home teams have just been ridiculously good this year in the big sky. Eastern wins. Yeah, I think Eric Berrier um, has a big game, and I'm going to go with Eastern as well. I'm going with Eastern. These two teams have combined for zero road wins in 2019. So I don't care 
what where they're playing. Whoever's home is who I'll pick. It's Eastern this time, so go Eagles. And Alex Boatman is wrapping it up too. That makes us uh, eight for eight for same picks. Uh, let's see if we can mix it up this round with Northern Colorado versus Idaho State. I am going to take the Bengals to bounce back at home. Like double bounce because they've had a real bad couple weeks. Since we've talked about them so much on this podcast, I'm going to go with the Golden Bears. NCU. Wow. (laughs) Just like Southern Utah is the cure for Montana State, Northern Colorado traveling to Pocatello is going to be the cure for Idaho State scoring and turnover issues over the last year, over the last few weeks. Um, Idaho State's another winless road team, but it's in Pocatello. Go Idaho State. All right, and Alex agrees with us. He has Idaho State. That means we have Montana versus Portland State. I am so tempted to take Portland State here. Montana just seems bound for their classic F-up game. Portland State was at last year at their place. Portland State, I mean, home teams have had the – I'll take it. I'll take Portland State. Wow. <laughs> you no, got, screw well, that, because I want a great uh, little brown stein. I'm changing it. Grizz, for my greedy vandal pleasures, going with my heart instead of my head here. I was going to say, me and you have nothing to lose. So, But I'm going to go with the Grizz as well this week. Yeah, I'm going to go with Montana. They still might be playing backup quarterback Cam Humphrey, who looked okay against Eastern Washington. Uh, but mostly, I think that Portland State, they're kind of like NAU. They have they have no good wins, and every time they've played a pretty good-looking team, they look bad. I don't care that they're at home. They don't have a real home field advantage. Uh, go, Chris. And that takes us to the Big Sky, Big Takes, Gamblers Especial, Weber State going to Sacramento. Uh, myself and Parlay may have a wager of sorts on this game because uh, there's a bit of argument in the Big Sky Power Rankings this week, um, Mont- Sacks, there was two things. NAU was ranked number four. I had big gripes with that. Montana Parlay has huge gripes with Weber State being above Sac State in the Power Rankings. And then he made a challenge that if anybody was willing to take Sac State, or sorry, Weber at minus three, um, then they could do it. I told him to give me four. The spread was originally the other way, and it's flopped. Uh, to seven, I believe. I forgot to read the spreads for these, but yeah, seven. Um, so I told him I'll take Weber, and then I forgot that Weber's on the road. And as we just covered, road teams have been extremely different this year. So <laughs> I got to stick with my gut. I'll take Weber. We've gotten money. Over Sac State? Yeah. Um, the Horny Hornets. Yeah, good one. I like that. I stole it from Hot Take. Um, uh, uh, whew. Yeah, I'm going to go with the home team this week. I think they've just been playing too good, and I think they're going to continue to make a run and make that possibly number one seed push. I'm going to go with Sac State. This is a matchup of Sac State has the top-scoring offense and top-scoring defense in the league, but Weber has number three-scoring offense and the number two-scoring defense in the league, so really, really both these teams are elite. What I'm going to look at is – you might be surprised to know that Weber State is only the eighth best passing defense in the league. Kevin Thompson will exploit that. And Weber State has somehow they might have a worse quarterback situation than even us or Montana State right now. I'm going to go Sacramento State. 
stingers up. So that was a very uncontroversial <laughs> pick sky pick, and we'll all be pretty much at the same uh, difference in picking percentage next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh well, moving on to the big or FCS fans nation pick 'em challenge. Week nine, Chris and TJ, we tied six points. Week nine standings. Mitch Hopkins making ground. I think he's back off to being six off the leader with 57. TJ's in second with 53. Jamie Hill making another big climb, 49. Connor Lindstrom hot on her heels with 48. Chris, I did get my picks in last week, by the way. Uh, 43, so staying in the caboose. Missed a week. But uh, week 10. So I guess I'll start, and then we'll go TJ, then we'll go Brian. Holy Cross versus Lehigh. Holy Cross. Wow, what a matchup. Uh, Lehigh. Lehigh has actually looked a little bit better than you might guess. They've got four wins, and they looked atrocious, but I'm going to go with Holy Cross. The alma mater of Bill Simmons, Holy Cross. Nice. I like that (laughs) shout-out. Northern Iowa versus Illinois State. I am taking the Red Hawks, home teams. Illinois State has looked good, but I think you and I uh, comes and wins this game. Man, this is tough. Northern Iowa is famous for just doesn't matter how many times they lose, always hanging in the top 15 just based off not particularly caring for that. And Sagarin says these two teams are pretty close. I'm going to take Illinois State. All right. Austin P versus Eastern Kentucky. I'll take Eastern Kentucky. I will as well go with EKU. Oh, man, I'm going to be controversial. Austin P. Ooh, bold moves. The bold al- moves. The alphabetical. <laughs> you can be bold on this one because we never read your score out from the previous week. So, Perfect. like you said, you're undefeated in FCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge. Damn right. Uh, NCANT versus South Carolina State NCANT. Yeah, I'm going to go with the better drum line and NCANT. Oh, man. <laughs> the uh, Man, some of these teams are pretty tough. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with the consensus NCA and two. All right. Then we have Towson with uh Little Flacco playing Delaware, the home of Old Flacco. I'll take Little Flacco. Yeah, Towson's going to win this game. A matchup of two 4 and 4 teams, but yeah, I'm going to say Towson. Uh that brings us to Jacksonville State University. Did you listen back to the episode where we talked crap on you for picking Jacksonville State when it was just Jackson? That was a year ago. No, you did it the two weeks ago when you weren't on. Uh, when you texted me your picks. I'm he going, doesn't. He doesn't listen when he's not on. I'm going to Jackson. Uh, see, different, different. Uh, UT Martin. So I'm taking your Gamecocks though. As well. I mean, I I've stuck with them all year. It's hurt me, but Jacksonville State. Now, if we shift back to the Idaho playoff theory, we probably need Jacksonville State to win. Um, so the, the Eastern Washington's loss to Jacksonville State looks less bad. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Tennessee Martin. Sagarin likes them more in Jacksonville State. So do I. All right. But who do you like better between Stony Brook and Richmond? I'm thinking Stony Brook. I, I thought Richmond was pretty bad. I looked it up. They're not as bad as I thought they were. But they're still not. Not super. I'm going to go strictly off mascots this one. I'm going to go Rich and Spiders. Oh, 
Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> it's a rough week. We yeah, need football yeah. back. Yeah, I'm, you know what? Richmond has a national championship. I'm going to go with the tradition, Richmond. So does Idaho State. You didn't pick Idaho. Oh, we did all pick Idaho State. All right. Anyway, so, no, I, I didn't. Yeah, uh, this week. Anyways, game of the week was Weber State versus Sac State. We all have already picked that. Uh, what FCS game are you watching this weekend if you're not watching the Vandals? DJ. Oh, um, can I pick a non-FCS game? No. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess Weber State, Sac State. It's a really big, big sky matchup. Um, it's going to have a lot of weight in the weight, uh, in the rankings. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a good game. Brian? Yeah, I'm definitely going to say if you are not watching Idaho, you have to watch the Weber State Sacramento State game. This, if Sacramento State can become an actual program, you know, one of the things we always want is for more energetic fan bases to exist. Sacramento State's getting some okay attendance, and they've been historically terrible. You got to root for the Hornets. Watch that game. Yeah, I'm going to be tuning in to the uh, SEC network to watch New Mexico State play. Old Ma- See, I'm just kidding, TJ. No one wants to hear about that. Um,. Yeah, I guess if you guys you guys already kind of gave the good ones. If so, I'm keeping my eye on the old rivals um, in Montana because we got them next week, and I kind of want to see how Cam Humphrey looks just in case we don't get to see Dalton Sneed in Missoula. So I'll be tuning in to Portland State uh, versus Montana. That brings us to the end of the podcast. It's kind of weird when we don't have certain segments, but um, that's it. We're closing the bar. Um we, I met somebody last night actually at the uh, Sounders game who knows Scott Green is actually on the board for um, a couple things at the university, and he's headed there this weekend for the game. So he's heard our podcast, might listen to it on his way there. Sorry he had to listen to this awful one, but uh, said he might be able to get Scott Green on the podcast for us. I gave him my contact information. So um, that would be awesome. But that's kind of what I have going on in my life. Otherwise, you can find me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. But I'm trying to make it up to you guys for missing the Ed Hall interview and see if we can get Scott Green on while we still get the ring around about Terry Gallick. But, uh, TJ, what do you have going on in your life? Yep. Uh, thanks for giving me a chance to do TJ's wing corner. Um, <laughs> quick wing corner. Um, Oops. <laughs> I, uh, this weekend had wings at Shelter nearby, kind of a favorite bar. Um, dry rub, not really a fan of dry rub. Me either. Yeah. I, not a dry rub I, you got to have mess. you got to have stuff on your face, and you gotta, you got to wet wipe it off. I think that's the way to go. So no to dry rub. Sorry, Shelter. Um, you find me at TJ Hopkins 13 on Twitter. Probably won't respond to you. Um, shouts out Mitch Hopkins. He's actually two points off of being on the leaderboard of FCS Fans Nation. Pick him. He checks very often. The leaderboard in number one. In number, right? He's in number one. Number one Mitch, on our hearts. Number 11 on the charts. I'm calling the Jamie upset. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, Illinois plays Rutgers this week. And go Vandy's. Brian. You can find me at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U on Twitter. I'm still writing the newsletter for the Montana Mint, still publishing power rankings every week. Last thing, incredibly, incredibly hot fall off the stool, corner stool take. Idaho fans, and I do not mean this ironically at all. Chuck Staben was named a finalist the North Dakota job. (laughs) You should root for Chuck Staben to get the job. I don't mean that ironically. I mean, I think it'll be good for Idaho cloud. to completely turn the page on that chapter. We're not doing an inventory of the Chuck Staben era. I think he gets way more blame than he, than he deserves, but I also don't think he was good. But for the sake of our fan base, you should hope 
He gets that job, and we completely turn the page on the Chuck Staben time. Five-star, that Uber driver. Um, all right, that brings us to the end here. Uh, we got Montana next week, a little Brown Stein. We talked that up so much last year. Um, so make sure you tune in. We'll be in Montana. Well, I, the Sounders, uh, we've covered we're soccer fans, uh, we just secured a home field game for the MLS Cup because Toronto just upset Atlanta United. So I've got to try to get on the phone with Alaska and get my flight changed so I'm not in the air during the game. So best of luck to me. I'll give you guys an update next week on how that's looking. But uh, next week, Little Brown Stein, the rival, Montana. Maybe we have Martin on. We know how much he loves Montana. But it's now time for the best band in all the land, the Stone of Idaho, to play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.